You know, and um, I had a chance to visit Pop in the beginning one time, and uh, with the renewal people that were there in that country, and I loved their way they, they would talk in pigeon, pigeon English. Where's our Australian guy? Yeah, do you guys know any of that pigeon English? You know PNG? A little bit? Yeah, like I know the, the one guy I traveled with, he was a pastor, and, and they would call him um, Pastor No Grassman. Pastor No Grassman, which meant he was bald, he didn't have any hair. No grass. No grass. And the other thing they would do, I was reminded of it because of the room here, they would, when they would pray, go down the prayer line, you've heard people say fire or come Holy Spirit or whatever. Well, their word for doing that as they were praying for people was cook em, Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow that tonight if you're praying for somebody. Okay, I want to introduce Denise. Can you climb down here? Denise Lee, is there way you can come down here for a second? Just come down and stand right here so they can see you. Um, the only claim to fame I have here is, of course, Allie, uh, sweet girl. And this is my wife, Denise. She's also on the Lutheran staff. Oh my gosh. While Dan's looking for the mic, I want to make a special invitation that is only for the Can I just take it off here? Is that yeah. On April 17th and 18th, we're putting on a women's Which conference. But it's not like just for old ladies like me, alright? You young ones there will really you. you will really be met by the Lord. Um, we have Bobby Bobby Wichterman, she's She's about your age. She's doing the worship at the conference. And we it's going to be down at, at Hosanna in Lakeville. And um, we're it's going to be an awesome time. Allie has brochures. So if you, oh, they're being passed out. Okay, you already heard about it? I did. Oh, sorry. I was up no, on no, the no, stairs. I didn't speak it. I was just, just passing them. All right. Anyway, so if you can come, you get a good deal. Instead of 39 bucks, it's only $10. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost as much as a movie, and you get a whole day and a half. So. Anyway, I hope I can see you there. It's going to be great. Thank you. Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 26 if you have a Bible. We're going to jump in here because we don't have a whole lot of time. Case one, two. Does that really help out there? You guys out there? Does it? Okay. Somebody can make my well, there, there we go. Okay, now we got it. I'm trying to yell for the ones in here. Matthew 26. Um, we're going to talk about a friend of ours tonight that uh, maybe you can speak into his life and give him a hand here. But this is a very familiar passage in uh, Matthew uh, 26, right around verse 31. I don't know if you guys can even see here. Some of you are kind of in the dark. We can turn the light on. If we okay. Uh, is everybody okay with their Bible? Can you guys read back over there? See it? Okay. Uh, 31. And this is a, of course, this is a Lenten time of year, you know. And we um, uh, want to talk about a familiar little passage, but with a little bit of a twist. So the, the context here in Matthew 26 is they just celebrated the Last Supper. And now Jesus, in verse 31, is talking to the disciples. And he's making a prediction kind of quoting something from the Old Testament. And he starts to tell them, and all along he's been trying to prepare these disciples for what's going to happen, going to the cross. And they get it sometimes, sometimes they don't get it. But here's what Jesus tells them. This very night, he's looking at all of them, you all will fall away on account of me. And then he quotes Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have arisen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. 
Now, as soon as he said that, all of you are going to fall away, Peter just automatically tunes out. He goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean we're all going to fall away? And I want you to, if you can, just kind of get into his head here a little bit tonight. Because Peter, you have to appreciate where he's coming from. He has been following Jesus for three years. He's left his home, left his job, left his family. He's on this journey with the Lord. And for the Lord to stop all of a sudden and say, you know what? I've got a little bit to go, but you guys can't go with me. You can appreciate that. And what he's going to say here. So after Jesus says this, Peter replies in verse 33, Jesus even if all fall away in account of you, I never will. And Jesus looks at Peter, and he kind of says, well, it's time for a prophetic word, Peter, and this is the prophetic word to you. Verse 34, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now Peter comes right back, and he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now I wonder what was going, what he was thinking right there. After that moment, did he just kind of write Jesus off because that's as far as he, that's as far as it went? What was in Peter's heart and mind? Was he going, man, I'm gonna have to prove myself to this guy. I've been following him for three years, and here he tells me I'm gonna fall away. And there's other scriptures we don't have time to look into tonight that kind of rounded out a little bit. But this was really a difficult thing. It was like a slap in the face. It was something like a wall that he ran up against, and I don't know if he knew what to do with it. But if you look a little further in the chapter, we can see a little bit where Peter's head was even. Because he's going, yeah, I'm going to do this. They're going to fall away, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. And I'm just going to give it everything I have. And if you look over um, in the next, down the line there, uh, down in verse 50 of the same chapter, <laughs> Jesus now is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're coming to seize him. Okay, and the twelve are there. And with that coming to arrest him, one of Jesus' companions, it says in verse 51, reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, it doesn't say in this, this uh, scripture who that was, but you can guess who that was, right? Peter. In John, it says specifically, Simon Peter pulled out his sword. I don't know what he was aiming at. How, how do you go and cut somebody's ear off? He was probably aiming for his head, and he just missed, you know. That's Peter. He never could do anything quite right all the time, and so he just took a swing and just missed and cut the, guy, cut the guy's ear off. But you can see how, what was in his heart maybe. Hey, no! This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to follow. We're going for it. Kind of this heroic kind of an attitude. And it wasn't all bad either, is it? He, he, Peter had a heart. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to do everything that Jesus had asked of him. And to be told, you can't go with me, that was just something he just couldn't handle. Okay, if you keep going lower in the chapter, or further up in the chapter, down to verse 69 now, we see what happened to Peter. It's a real common thing. I'm not going to go into a real detail. You know it. He's sitting in the courtyard. courtyard. Jesus has been arrested. Um, and there was a little girl. A servant girl came to him and said, Peter, you with Jesus of Galilee. And he says, he denied it before them all. First denial. I don't know what you're talking about. Now put yourself in his head. He's denied the Lord. The very thing he said he wasn't going to do. But that's not the end of it, right? He went out to the gateway. Another little servant girl saw him and he said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath this time. That means he said, by the temple or by the, in the name of God or by something, he swore by he was telling the truth. I do not know this man Jesus. Wow. And then the third time, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely one of you 
you are one of them for your accent gives you away. He had a Galilean accent. It was very uh, uh, recognizable. And he was with the crowd in Jerusalem that knew where he came from. And so now he says, then he began to call down curses on himself. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately, what happened? Rooster crows, okay? And also in another, uh, in the book of John it says, at that moment when the rooster crows, they happen to be bringing Jesus back through the courtyard after they've been beating him up and going through the court stuff. And as soon as the rooster crows and Peter realizes what he did, it says Jesus looked over and just looked at Peter. Right at that very moment. And then it says, um, and then Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. That is an understatement. That is an understatement. What happened to Peter? What was he going through now? He's out walking in the streets. He's, he, he is so befuddled about what just took place. It was so against everything he wanted to do. And here he has just, just denied the Lord three times. And he's wandering around. He's, he's disillusioned. He's, he's reproaching himself. And he goes, oh, I just can't take this. So he reaches into his toga and he pulls out his cell phone. <laughs> and he goes, I gotta call somebody. I have to talk to somebody. What is going on in my life? And so he picks it up and he either calls or your by the way, your your names are in the, in his address book. So he either calls you, uh, texts you, tweets you, whatever it is to get to you. And he 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 gets to you and he says, you know, put your name in there. I need somebody to talk to you right now. Something terrible has happened. Can I come over? Can I come over and sit with you? Would you please help me understand? Why? Why did this happen? And you say, yeah, come on by, Peter. You know him. You know he's a good guy. You know he loves the Lord. You know he's sold out. And so he comes over to your house and he sits down on the, on the couch and he's just totally undone. And he asks you again, why did this happen to me? Now think for a second. What would you tell him? What would you tell Peter? about why this happened. Okay, now take just a little minute here, and without moving a whole lot, and we're just going to take a little bit of time, turn to someone near you and tell them what you would tell Peter. Go ahead. Whatever you're, whatever you're thinking, you would tell them right now. Just just take a minute, just tell them what you would tell Peter. Would you say, you need to get out of town right away, you know? I mean, what would you tell him, you know? He's broken. He's hurting. Okay, let's hear some of the things you said to Peter now. What 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 were some of the suggestions other than you better get out of town or you knucklehead, why'd you do that? I mean, you know, we don't, those, those we don't want to talk about. But what were some of the things? How did you meet him where he was in that distressful place at that moment? I would ask him if I could pray for him. She wants, she said, I, I would ask him if I can just pray for you right now. And so he's going, yes, pray for me, but I want to know why. Why did this happen to me? Because you're normal. Because you're normal. 
the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Because what God says happens. Because God said it, you're going down. More. Anybody else? Um, like, basically, God told you because He knew beforehand what you would do, and He loves you anyway, just to prove the point that He loves you. Like, He knew you'd do it, and He's given you the grace and all the mercy to get you on your feet and give you a fresh start. So there was a reason behind this for Peter. It wasn't just to bring him down. It wasn't just to show him what a doofus he was. It wasn't just to show him something negative about him. You're saying, actually saying, it was something about God loving him that this took place. Okay. Anybody else? Say it out. I would ask him, well, what, he, what was the lesson he's taking out of it now? Okay. What are you learning from this right now? Here's another question. Is it possible that that could ever happen to you or I? Now, again, it was a different circumstance because it was a denial. Peter's life was pretty much on the line, so that's a rare thing for somebody to be. So he had the pressure big time. But could that happen to us? Could that happen to you? Could that happen to someone who's so sold out to Jesus on the outside? And something in the inside of that person, when it got right down to it, something gave. And there's like, you see, two different people. Is that possible? Okay, let's talk about that a little bit now. Now, this is going to be interesting here. Not my what I'm going to say, just doing this right here. So I'm just going to do this right here. I need somebody to kind of hold this. Can just that up? Okay. And you guys out there, I'll try and explain what I'm doing because this is going to be a bummer to see. Okay, there's, there's, there are three journeys in life, okay, in the spiritual walk. The first journey, of course, we go to God. That's the journey of connecting with God, relating to God. The second journey is we go to our neighbor, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and mind and strength and thy neighbor as thyself. Very simple. But what few people and Christians, if you have to realize there's a third journey. What's the third journey? To go take the journey into your heart. To take the journey into your own heart. And you see, the reason why that's so important is because if you, do the, if you, if you try and just do these other two without taking the internal journey in your own heart, this heart, your heart is at the crossroads of both of those. Right? And it's possible if your heart isn't aligned with... Um, what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, then you may have, you may outwardly look like you're loving the Lord, but inwardly something else is going on. That's possible. Not only that, but with Peter, what was the main thing about Peter? What happened to him? Did he know he was going to do that? It was totally unknown of, to him what was in his heart. Now that is a scary thing in a way, isn't it? That this heart, our heart, stand at the cross with loving God. You know, in Scripture all the time it says, um, God's always complaining through the prophets. He goes, their lips, with their lips, they, they praise me, but their hearts are far from me. That's possible. And so it's really important for all of us, walking after Jesus, to know not only that we want to love God and our neighbor, but also to take the interior journey to find out what's in our heart. Because it is unknown to us most of the time. But it's not unknown to God. Right? 
And so let me give you a little paradigm here. And then if you have any thoughts or questions as I'm drawing this now, I need some kind of an eraser. Mm. Uh, paper towel. Or paper towel. Here's one right here. Okay. Do you want me to hold the mic up while you do it? Yeah. If you guys out there need, need the mic, do you? Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Paul said a, a whiteboard. I thought he meant something like six feet by five feet. <laughs> no, no, do you want to put it on this stand, Dan? I don't think it's going to work over there, will it? I think it will. Well, I, I think it works. I mean, how can I draw it? There's my question. Sit down now. So what does this inter interior journey look like? And I'll try and duck for you guys over there or we can pass the board around or something. There's two, there's two. There's two components to Part of understanding the spiritual journey, we're going to use Peter as an example. You guys can't even see that. Can you, can you guys see him see that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. We got a big cross here so far. That's what we're doing. On one side, we have a person, and on the other side of that journey, we have our hearts. On this side, we call this the positional way that God relates to us, understands the us. On this side, we have the incarnational. Incarnational period. Okay, get it. Okay, let me just, I'm just going to hold this up because no way we're not going to be able to say it. This is all I need and this is all we're going to do. <laughs> okay, so on one side we have, this is the way we relate to God as far as how he gets into our hearts, okay? On the one side, and somebody even prayed, I think you were talking about that, and I even heard maybe a prophecy about that too. I couldn't quite hear the prophecy I was out there. But we have to start when we take the interior journey to know without a doubt that we are totally and absolutely loved by God. If you don't start there, when he starts doing the deeper work on this other side here, which is the incarnational part, the incarnational part means that we're now formed into the image of Jesus. He's actually forming us into his image. If we don't get this first part right, positionally, that we are loved by God, that no matter what we come to him with, he's not put off by it. Even if we don't see it, he sees it. We don't have to do anything to change it. We don't have to do anything to make ourselves better. We don't have to strive, fix it up, do anything. We just come as we are and we say, Thank you, Jesus, that your blood shed on the cross for me, washes all the sins that I've ever done, and Lord, you accept me totally and completely in that place. That's where this starts. And I believe Peter knew that. And I'll tell you later why I think that's true. But he knew, first of all, that he was anchored in God's love. And if you think... Anyone in this room that that's an easy thing to, to, to really know deep in your heart, I challenge you to think again. Because most of us know in our heads, Jesus loves me, this I know. But that will not cut it. You have to have an experiential connection with God. Sometimes it happens in a big kaboom. Sometimes it happens over time. Sometimes God can do a million ways of making that true, but it has to drop. They call that the 15-inch drop from what's in your head down into your heart. That has to happen first, to be anchored in God's love. The, the picture I have with this one side, this one side, is we, this is the spiritual journey, the interior journey, is when the prodigal son, you know, left home, said bye dad, took off, went to the country, got all messed up, took all dad's money and spent it. But the interesting to me, the thing to me was the father the whole time never stopped loving him. 
the whole time. And all it took for the father to just reconnect with him was when that son realized that he was out of food, he had no resources left, and he goes, his motive wasn't even good. He just said, I'm out of food, i got to turn around, go back to the old man and get food because, you know, that's, that's all I have. It wasn't like, oh, I just missed my father, I love him, I've got to go back and see how he's doing. That wasn't in his heart. Test. Did we die here? Test, 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 test. Okay. Test. Never mind. Did I turn it off? I'm sorry. Yeah, I turned it off. That's my fault. <laughs> no power, man. <laughs> so the prodigal, as soon as he turned, that was all he had to do was just turn. He comes back and the father sees him and he runs to him. The guy's smelling like pigsty. He's, he's still messed up. He didn't even come home with the right motive. But the father just said, I take him right as you are. Do you know what? Whether you come to the Lord late in life or you come to the Lord growing up in the church, that is a hard thing to know that you can come exactly as you are. Yeah. And you know why that's so hard? It's because we want, we want to fix ourselves up just a little. Yeah. And it's really humbling when we don't know what's in our heart and God starts to show us and all we can do is say, oh, that's what I am. I have a true self in me in Christ, but I also have a little weird person in there. <laughs> a false self that is not the person I want, but it's still part of me. It's still me. It's not like some sin beast came in and made me sin. I sinned. It was me. Just like Peter, look at the dichotomy. Here's a guy who sold out. He denied the Lord. Both parts were Peter. God just didn't love the one part. God loved both parts. And that is, that's, that's a revelation that God has to give us. Okay, so that's, that's the site. And you know, I, I talk with people. I'm not really the speaker type person, but I like meeting with people one-on-one -on -one and hearing their story. And with the stories I hear all through the years, being uh, uh, in that kind of ministry, is that this is really hard to grab. Especially for people who have been raised in the church. Because you've been told if you don't do right, you won't be loved. See? So that, that's something, maybe tonight you want to ask for that from the Lord. You want to say, Jesus, I just need a fresh connection with you. I feel like a mess tonight, but I just need you to come and receive me right in my mess. Just as I am. Okay, now we move to the other side. This is the incarnational side. This now where God starts to deal with our heart. On this side, we come with sins and stuff that's out there, kind of exterior to us. But on this side, now that this is going to strike you as weird at first, God's not interested in all those little sins anymore. Because He's going to go deeper. He's not interested in why you did this or this or this in the same way. Of course, you know what I mean. Of course, you go to Jesus, you ask forgiveness. But He's not interested in that as much as He wants to go deep now. He wants to know why you did that. He wants to, like Hebrews 4.12 says, that the, the Lord judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You have a certain sin, something you did, something you said bad to someone, something you got angry at. You went and did something a lot worse. Rather than going, oh Jesus, I, sh I shouldn't have done that, and you just take it and you shove it right back down there, you're never going to grow. You know what I start to do in my life? I start to say, when I do something, when I'm unkind, when I catch myself doing something that's really bonehead, you know, in the spirit, you know, it's just a really dumb thing to do. I, I used to just berate myself, but I don't do that anymore. I just say, Jesus, I thank you, like on this side, that you, this is me. I did that. You love me so much. 
Lord, why did I do that? I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be doing these kinds of things. Why is that? Why did I mistreat that person? Why did I get offended? Let me challenge you. If you, if you think this is something that's far and away, or that it has to be a big crisis, it's not. Tomorrow, when you get up, you say, you ask the Lord for one humiliation today. <laughs> Lord Jesus, in your name I ask you for a one humiliation today. He'll probably overdo that, but just in case. <laughs> ask him for one. And, and, and when you ask for that, you watch through the day, you will find it. Because the life has many opportunities. And when that humiliation comes to you, somebody doesn't understand you, somebody cuts you off in the freeway, something happens to you that you didn't deserve, on and on and on and on and on. When that happens, you watch what rises up in your heart. And that is your motive. That's the thought and intent. It's not if you got angry, that's not it. But it's deep down inside the thought and the intent of the heart. And that's what was going on with Peter. He did not know his own heart. He did not know what was down in there because he, in his heroic, da 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 da, you know, I got the sword, I'm all sold out. <laughs> but inwardly, there was something really amiss. And it doesn't have to be a big crisis, it has to be something very huge, very big. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second. Does anybody have a, a question about anything so far? We're almost kind of running through here. This side, where you're thinking about that, is unconditional love, where he deals with us positionally, incarnationally on this side. This is called cruciform love. Cruciform. God loves us in a cruciform way. That means that when you see something that comes up that isn't Jesus, that's of your false self, or like Colossians 3 says, the old person, the old nature, then it has to die. It's not good enough to be snuffing out all the sins out here. We have a, we have a, a, a saying in inner healing. Bad root. No, I'm sorry. Say it backwards. Bad fruit. Bad root. Try that tomorrow. When you watch yourself. Bad fruit. That's all the little sins we do. All the things we do. You know, you, some of those sins are really horrendous. I, I don't want to pretend like this is just light things. It could be a really heavy thing. But I've learned, even as someone who walks in and has done something really horrendous, underneath that somewhere is a root. It's not about the sin. See, in the church, what we've learned is sin management, right? Don't, don't you dare show your sin in the church. right? Don't you dare in the church culture let somebody know that you are really bearing some bad things right now. And so we've just learned to push them down. I challenge you to let God go, let you take the inner journey and let Him go deep with you. And that is the most courageous journey you will ever take. Think of Peter. Think of what it took for him to realize what was down in him. Amazing. And it broke him. But that's not the end of the story, is it? And like you were saying there, there was more for Peter. Do you have any quick questions or anything, comments? On that? We're going to wrap this up here pretty quick. Okay. Let's look at finally at John 21. Let's wrap this up. Well, I. No, it is. Kukumanis, really. It's really warm. You guys got to be. 
Okay. <laughs> it's just the Holy Spirit. We're just getting cooked. You're getting cooked. Yeah, that's right. This is the pot. Yeah. Now, some of you intimated that what happened with Peter when God gave him that word, we're looking at John 21 right now, when God gave him that word, you know, it seemed like kind of a mean thing to do, wasn't it? I mean, would you want to get a prophecy like that from Jesus? <laughs> oh, Lord, give me a word, give me a word, and then he gives you one like that. You're tough. Seems kind of harsh, doesn't it? Jesus, would you really do that? But you see, Jesus, he's after your heart. And he's even willing to cause us a little pain, knowing that we're fully loved. Remember that. That's why you got to be fully loved. If you're not loved, what happens is, and he starts to give you a little pain, then all of a sudden you go, I'm out of here. I can't take this. Jesus, what are you doing to me? But he loves you so much, and he's willing to do that. And that's what he did with Peter, and that's what he'll do with us. Okay, John 21. Here's the end of the story. This is amazing. This is even more amazing. I haven't even plumbed the depths of what happens here. In John 21, starting in verse... 15. When they had finished eating, now this is the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. And, you know, what's he going to do with Peter? I mean, I, as far as I know, he hasn't said anything to Peter the other two times. He didn't come up to Peter, you know, in the first appearance and said, you knucklehead, what did you do? Or he didn't come up to him and say, you be, what are you doing here? You, be, you, you betrayed me. You're no better than Judas. Judas did the same thing. Jesus didn't say any of that. And look what he says here. This is so interesting to me. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And he points at the other 12, or the other 11, because remember, or 10, there were 10 at that time. Remember he said, Peter had said, Lord, even if all these guys leave, I'm, I'm hanging with you. Right? And now Jesus is sitting among you. This is public, man. Just like it was a public confession, this is public going back the other way. And he says, Peter, Simon, uh, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, if Peter didn't know he was loved, don't you think he'd be tempted to say something way different than what he says here? Because what he says is, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, you know, if that would have been me, and I had gone been the one to come to your house and was pouring out my heart, I may, have, I may have come to the conclusion that, you know, maybe I didn't love him. Would somebody who loved the Lord do that? Would somebody who loved Jesus make that kind of sin or mistake? But Peter knew something that I hope we all will know. That even though God brings painful things, and by the way, the little thing about humiliation, that's just a small thing. Because Jesus has promised, in this life, you will have trouble. That's a promise of Jesus. It's a pocket promise. Write it on your wall. Put it on there. No one really quotes it much, but that's Jesus himself said that. In this world, you will have tribulation. And here's the good news. All things work together for good. All that stuff works together for good. But you know what? I bet you, can everybody tell me in this room what comes after Romans 8.28? What, 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 what's yeah, according to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, then what? What's the purpose? It says, so they will be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That's what happens over here on the incarnational side. Okay, That doesn't happen here. We, we, we are accepted as we are, but over here He starts the hard work of changing us. So, dear ones... 
if you don't have it happening in your life to this point, and you you may not, that's okay. And I'm not talking about big crisis crises, but life will allow you to bump up against something just like Peter. And if you don't understand what I just told you, you will be tempted to go, what's wrong with me, or what's wrong with God, and your faith is going to go down the tubes. Because it is going to be painful. But that's okay, because all things... You know what? In your life, when you look back, or when someday you're going to look forward, all everything belongs in the kingdom. There isn't one painful thing in your life that Jesus is not going to use. And the future as well. So remember that, would you? So here, so here uh, John, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Now he's taking them back for every one of the denials. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, Take care of my sheep. And now here's the third time. Simon, son of John. Oh, I just, I'm trying to, I, I want to meditate on this more. I'm trying to picture the tension. I'm trying to picture what was happening there. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter hesitated. The third time he said to him, Simon, Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt. I wonder why. What do you think that hurt was about? He was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Was he hurt because of his failure? Was he hurt because of, did he wonder, Jesus, does Jesus really know what I really feel in my heart, even though I did that? And then Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Even though I denied you, you knew all along that I loved you. And the kicker verse here, to end this story tonight, is that then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And in verse 18, he says, I tell you the truth, Peter. When you were a young adult, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Do you know... I don't envy your age group <laughs> because my young adult years were really hard. They were years of transition, so many questions. I can't even begin to relate to some of the questions all of you are facing in this room right now. Where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to do after school? Who am I going to marry? Should I get married? Where should I live? What kind of job should I have? It's just a tremendous time of turmoil. And you need to just launch out and, and follow the Lord the best you can and go for it. Sometimes that means being a little heroic. That's okay. But as you mature in the Lord, that doesn't always work anymore, a little bit later. And it didn't work for Peter. Yes, Lord, I'll never deny you! <laughs> that will never work for Peter again. Instead, he said, Jesus, this is what he told him. He said, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. You see, if Peter knew what going to death for Jesus really meant when he first said that back before he denied him, he never would have said it like that. Even Jesus himself balked just a little bit about facing the cross and his death. And Peter's over there, da-da-da-da. He didn't really know what he was saying, although his heart was right. But now, Jesus tells him that you're going to go where you do not want to go. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, Follow me. He gave him what he wanted at the beginning. You see, Peter had a destiny when he first said it, da 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 da. But he didn't have the internal, he hadn't taken the internal journey. He couldn't get.
to the destiny that God had for him. Jesus had to break his heart to prepare him for what he actually wanted. His desire was, yes, Lord, I want to follow you with everything within me. Everything in my heart cries out, yes, Jesus, to you. But he couldn't get there on his own. Jesus had to break his heart first. And dear one, someday he may have to break yours too. It's not because he's mean. It's not because he doesn't like you. It's not even necessarily because you've done something wrong. But he's going to break it because he loves you. He's going to say, look, you got to take the inner journey. You can't just be dealing with all this stuff out here. you got to take the inner journey. And some of you right now in this room, you're on that inner journey already. And if you are, God bless you because, again, it's the most courageous thing you ever do to be able to ask the Lord. Here's another prayer. You want, you want a challenge? Say, Jesus, show me what you see when you look at me in my heart. Open my eyes. You know, in Revelation it says how uh, some of the people went, we don't need anything. And Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me, from the heavenly stock exchange, gold refined in the fire. There was a word earlier tonight about refining. Wasn't there somebody who said that? I thought I heard a word over here about refining. That's what this is really about. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and we're going to close with this. And then follow whatever you want to do after that. And I'm going to read for you a very old song. It, I'm ashamed to tell you how old this is. It's very old. It was back, I learned this song back, I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to say it, by the way. I learned this song back when I was your age. And I'm going to say it over you as a prayer and then just say a prayer for you. Okay? Is that okay? And the title of the song, it's by a gal named Honey Tree. I don't know if anybody knows who that is. Probably not. And the title of the song is Heartbreaking Love. Okay, so just close your eyes. Let me just pray this over you, okay? And you think about where you are in your journey right now. Just think about it for a moment before I even do this song. Some of you in this room, your spiritual life has ground to a halt. And you wonder why. You're wondering why that's happening to you. It's like you haven't done anything, but something has shifted in the spirit. In the spirit, And it's a new season, you just can't figure it out. Some of you have been trying so hard to please the Lord, and it's not working. What was useful in the previous season, the way you used to pray, the way you used to worship, the way you communicate with God is not working now. That's okay. God is transitioning you into a new place where the old stuff, just like with Peter, can't work in the new. You can't go back, but you can't go forward. That's a very frustrating place, but that's a work of the inner journey. Some of you have tried and struggled with certain sins, and you are so discouraged because you can't overcome them. I'm going to ask you to think that maybe there's something that's fueling those that has nothing to do with the, the, with the fruit that you see, that God wants to take you on the inner journey. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about that. Some of you in this room are afraid when I talk to you about a God of heartbreaking love. Don't be afraid. For years, I was afraid. Years and years. When you started talking about discipline, that just drove me right up the wall. Because when I grew up, discipline had a whole different meaning to me. Lord, let your love flow in this room right now. As I read this. Here's the thing, heartbreaking love. Be ready, dear ones, when you give your heart to God. Just like Peter. 
for he will surely take it. Like a gentle doctor, wise and strong, he will surely break it. But your joy will be unmeasured as your healing flows from above. You'll be glad you gave your heart to the Lord of heartbreaking love. <coughs> be ready when you give your life to God, for He will surely change it. Just when you thought you had it planned, He is apt to rearrange it. But your peace will be unequaled as his plan unfolds from above. You'll be so glad you gave your life to the Lord of life-changing love. Lord, I said, don't send me to those places. Don't send me to those frightening faces. But then you let me feel the love in your heart. See, that's a new heart right there, a deeper journey. And I said, Lord, when do we start? Be ready, dear ones, when you give your heart to God. For he will surely take it. He's a gentle doctor, wise and strong, and he knows where he's got to break it. But your joy will be unmeasured as your healing flows from above. You'll be glad you gave your heart to the Lord of heartbreaking love. Lord, let your love now go into a deeper place than it's ever gone before in all these dear ones. Wherever it is their lack, wherever it is, wherever it is that it just happens in their mind, mm -hmm. right now it initiates something so it takes that drop into their heart. Mm -hmm. Some of you are so tired of performing for God, it's just you just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So stop it. You don't need to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Just receive His love exactly as you are. Receive it. Receive His love in places you don't even like about yourself. Receive His love in those places. Receive His love where you failed. Receive His love in those places. And for those of you that are in a wilderness time right now where God is doing the inner work, where you are taking the inner journey, Lord Jesus, would you encourage them today? There are some here who have just recently had something just almost like a wall you run into. And you didn't ask for it, you didn't look for it, it just happened to you. And you're wondering what's going on. Lord, please give them grace today. Please strengthen them today. Please help them today. Please encourage them today. And then give them, Lord, their place walking toward their destiny. Even though it doesn't seem any way they know how they're going to get there now. Just help them. Help them, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. You are so good. You are so gracious. So kind, so merciful. Mm -hmm. You'll hold our hearts so wonderfully. Just take a moment now. Will you give God permission to take the deeper journey in your life, into your heart? Mm -hmm. Will you let Him show you things that you can't even see right now? If that's you, then just in your own heart, just say, Yes, Lord, go ahead. Yes. Start that journey in my heart. I want to see. I want to be free. I want to be like Jesus. Just give Him permission and He'll do that. Thank you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
guys. Any feedback for Dan? Any, anything that's uh, that you want to share? Feed, uh, questions or comments? You're the man, Dan. <laughs> Did you want to say something? Okay. <laughs> this is just the beginning. What I shared tonight is just a tip. If you're interested, just 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 look into. It. I can even give you some books on to read on on the deeper life, the deeper spiritual life. A lot of you guys are really ready for that. Pursue that. Well, I got a question. I just yeah. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on the incarnation, because I just have a hard time just grasping it. Wants to elaborate a little more on the incarnation part about becoming like Jesus yeah. itself. You know, it's a weird thing. You think that we would get better and better and better. God would just heal us more and more and more, and then we wouldn't need Him anymore. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way we talk, right? Heal this part of my heart, Lord. Heal this part of my heart. Heal this. The inner journey is about healing, but it's way beyond that. It's about putting on Christ. And so what happens is, as He begins to show things in your heart, somehow shine light on them, diffuses them. And Peter knew he had a weakness. What was Peter's weakness? What was God shining his heart on that prevented him from incarnating, fleshing out Jesus through his life? Did anybody get that when he, when he sat down and talked to you? What, did, what was it? What was the deep thing in his heart? Pride. Okay, you'd think it was pride. That's a good guess because he, he was arrogant when he said that, wasn't he? There was arrogance there. But I think there was something underneath the arrogance. Can you guess what that might be? Fear. He was afraid of people. And later, even in Galatians, he did a similar thing where the Pharisees, you know, the the, the, the party of the Pharisees came who were Christians, and he, he did the same thing. He kind of chickened out. He backed off. So it was a weakness he had. So what do you do with the weakness when you want to incarnate, flesh out Jesus? The only thing you can do is say, there it is. It's part of me. This is what I'm prone to. And so I put on Christ, it says in chapter 3, so His life can flow through me, even in my weakness. So you don't deny it, but you let Jesus incarnate His life through it. So it stays in place, really. We don't like that. We want to be all whole, all well, all clicking on all cylinders. But God says, no, it's just the opposite. You die, and I raise up myself in you, and I, my life flows through you. Do you know when I first started to get a handle on that? I was talking to somebody about this the other day. When I, when I started to understand that just a little bit, I realized there were relationships and people I was connecting with that it was almost like the way I would respond to them wasn't me. That's how it felt. And the, way, the only way I can describe it is I started loving people I didn't even like. When that started to happen, I went, this is not me. This is something that that's what it is. I got out of the way. Jesus incarnates himself. His life. I think they're cooking. Anybody else real quick? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they did already before, but if you... Is it a blessing? Yeah, okay. Those of you that are close, just put your hand. Somebody else has a question? Yeah, okay.